Will Derbyshire is robot racist. Video evidence found of Will Derbyshire speaking ill yeah. of robots because they're going to be living among us. And they'll get a virus and kill all of us. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Arden Rose. And I'm Will Derbyshire. And you're listening to Crash on My Couch. Which is our one-stop pit stop of the internet. Of all the interesting things that you would like to hear about. Ain't that right, Willie D? That is right. On this week's Crash on My Couch... We talk about the Great Emu War of 1932. Is Ladybird the best film of all time? Ooh, good question. And also... Is artificial intelligence fun or terrifying? Let's ask Sophie, the self-aware robot, that question. This week and more on Crash on My Couch. couch. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. And welcome back to Crash on My Couch. Indeed. I'm Arden Rose. And I'm Will Derbyshire. And we're just hanging out today, having a good time, as per usual. What's been up with you, Squilliam? Not much. Prepping for Christmas, bruh. Ooh, prepping for Christmas, I've been bro. getting some presents. Oh my gosh. I haven't. <laughs> it's so okay. Sad. We'll just do what we usually do and leave it to like the two weeks before Christmas. And it you, will do be... realize, <sighs> you do realize you're impossible to shop for. You are pretty tricky too, my lady. No, because I have your mom to compete with. My lady. I have your mom to compete with. She gets everything for you that I I was planning and on And she getting. has everything for you as well. She's got you so many of your prezzies. Oh, God damn. It's like a competition with Will's family. And, like, not a competition you will ever win. Like, I always come last place. You never come last place. You always get really good gifts. I do, but I stress about it so much beforehand. I think everybody does, though. I think that's, like, a mutual thing, everyone. Then why can't we all just get each other socks or some shit? Because, Arden, that wouldn't be very fun. Yeah, because Jackie Darbyshire loves getting us amazing shit all the time and being so lovely and loving us so much and showing her love in such a clear and concise way with her gifting choices. And I hate it and love it <laughs> at the same time. I mean, want to cry. <laughs> but I don't know what to do. Like, I was texting her and she, like, was like, I got this thing, by the way. And I was like, oh, a thing? You remember when, like, a while ago she was like, it's a present. But, oh, for me, and I couldn't, I couldn't see it. Uh huh. You never found out what it was, right? No, no. She, she's like showing me a, it's my, well, my Christmas presents, I think. Wait, she's revealing it, or she's waiting. It's a Christmas it. present. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Just making sure. I didn't know if she was going to reveal it to you early because she told you that she, she already got you that downhill racer poster. Yeah. Um, which also was something I was looking at for you. I'll give you some suggestions. So why don't you just relax? Okay. Okay, Give me some suggestions now. No, I'm not giving you some suggestions now because I don't have any off the top of my head. Right. See, I'm going to be up shit creek trying to figure out what to get you. And I feel like what I'm going to end up doing is just redesigning your room. Just redesign my room. I would be happy with that TBH. I know you would. But then how would I be? Where would I be for the entire time while you were redesigning it? Exactly. So that's kind of already shot and you know about it. Um. I I will think about it. I need to, when I get back to London, I'll have a think, like, what do I want? Well, because the problem with Squilliam, which is a good thing and a bad thing, is that he, if he sees something that he likes, he's really good about getting it when he wants it. Like, you just got Endless from Frank Ocean. You got his vinyl. Is it called mm. Endless? Is that what it's called? Yeah. 
uh, he just got that vinyl that was like limited edition, got it immediately. He's one of those people that he got the iPhone 10 immediately. He like waits in line for stuff. He'll wait up all night. He always gets the thing. And so I can't get you the thing. How am I supposed to get you the thing when you already have the thing because you're the first one in line? I know. I also just, I don't really want anything at the moment. Like I was saying that to my mom. I was like, <sighs> I just don't know what I... What you need. I don't, I don't know what I need, to be honest, right now. But that's why I just need to think about it and just see if there's anything like... Which could, be, which could be cool, yeah. Yeah, well, you always want clothes. So I know I can... I'm always safe to get you fun clothes. Yeah, that's true. Always. I, I'm I'm always about clothes. More, the more clothes, the merrier. Yes, but then I feel like it's a cop-out because I want to get you something special. And I can't get you something special if your mom already gets it for you. Yeah. And gets it like six months in advance. Because she did. She's and it's, so on top of it. Listen, you're going to open her present and you're going to be like... Oh my god! I've never gotten a better present, and I'm gonna be like sitting with my like dinky little snot covered, all taped up, <laughs> shitty. I'm just gonna eat you like a soccer ball that I found in a field. Like it's gonna be so bad and horrible, and you're gonna be like, look at this beautiful, beautiful thing my mom got me, and then I'm just like a sniveling troll in the corner. Yeah, that's right. You're a sniveling troll. Well, it's gonna happen. It happens every year. Well, I I ordered you a gift, but it's taking a while to come. So hopefully it will come. Is it really amazing? It, I think it's pretty. Dope. Yeah, because you but I, the best presents. I really hope it comes before Christmas because it does. Oh, it's really annoying. It's like, oh. Will gives the best presents. Like, if there's one thing I can say that you should be jealous of, it's his smile and his butt, but also his gift giving because he's got such a good, like, touch and gift giving. Last year, he got me, like, a limited edition Bob's Burgers poster that was, like, this adorable print. I'm obsessed with it. I'm still, like, I haven't put it up in our house yet because I'm so anal about wanting to get it framed because it's, like, such a cool print. And I don't know. I don't even know how you found that. Took some time. Exactly. But you know what? I feel like I'm, like, subscribed to a lot of stuff, which could provide good gifting opportunities. Right. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. I feel like on my timeline, I'm always like, oh, that could be good for her, or that could be good for them. Like, I feel like I see a lot of stuff. Because that's how I found out, find out about all that stuff, is just because I see it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. So uh, maybe you need to, like... I just... Maybe I'm, that will help if you, like, subscribe to things that... Yeah. yeah I'm know. really bad about that kind of thing, because I'm not... Like, you know me. I don't... If I spend a lot of time on my phone, I'm spending it, like editing photos for my own social media i feel like i don't go on twitter to like look at other people's articles and stuff i I don't go on i don't go on facebook i just had to log in for the first time on facebook this morning for the first time in like i think it said i hadn't been on facebook in seven months like you probably had so many messages because everyone messaged you on it and i have to keep telling people i'm like she's not in this group because she doesn't check facebook wait people message me on there yeah all the time we have so many group chats on there we do yeah what yeah (laughs) since when you will check your facebook and you will see so many messages you have you're so bad i don't really like using facebook either but like i get notifications when i get a message oh my gosh i'm a nightmare then for people why don't you get facebook messenger because that means you don't have to go on facebook (sighs) no i don't want another avenue i don't need another avenue of people trying to get in contact with me i'm like no but you're missing out on like events and stuff like we get invited to events a lot and like how like harry's having or like adrian and jacob are having like a party and given we'll work it out well, I'm when just it is, anyway. Them, you know what I mean? Like, but they, I don't need but, to be in a Facebook Yeah, but group. they make a Facebook group with all the details in. So you, you're but, completely out of the loop the entire time. But I know time. I could go on your Facebook and find it. Like, I can just ask you. Or just use your own Facebook. I don't want to. I, I, if I could, I would just live off the grid. I don't want, I don't want any of that in my life. That's not true. You like the internet a lot. I like the internet a lot, but I just also 
like I resent having my job and my social life in the same place. Like I don't like that at all. So, well, honey, if you want to keep getting invited to stuff, you better be checking. Checking your Facebook page, Whoa. which is why I, the only time I check Facebook is when I get a notification. You've been invited to this or that. And I'm like, yes or no. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. But I understand. I understand your thought process. I have thought about deleting my Facebook page a lot. You know, I'm just I'm just over it. Anyway, let's move on to what are we what are we going to be talking about today? Oh, right. I forgot. We're doing a podcast now. We're not just talking out of our asses. Okay, let's do it. I feel like as as we've gone on and done more and more episodes of this podcast, I feel like we've gotten way too comfortable doing podcasts. But okay, so guys, just thank you so much for all the things that you sent on Twitter, um, different ideas for our movie segment podcast, which we're, you know, we're still figuring out what that is but i just wanted to give a quick shout out to the one person that i thought did a really good job and maybe had the most suggestions as well which was yeah. really impressive was that the pe- like the notes document with all the different ones yes yeah. yes there was someone who sent us um uh yes a notes document which was very helpful so let me go on my i'm gonna try to find this again okay so first of all this is such an amazing twitter handle her twitter handle is at real mccoy tweets but her name right now is the holiday armadillo nice which i now know what that is i never watched friends before i started dating will but now i'm like oh inside joke and not so much i'm in on it the holiday armadillo the hard holiday armadillo okay but anyways she gave us a lot of different ones i'm gonna save the one that i think we should use oh well i've seen all of them so why don't you tell me which one's your favorite okay okay well, okay, I'm just going to... But they need to hear what they are as well. Got it, okay. So, she had so many good ones. She had Director's Cut, Living in Technicolor, mm-hmm. After the Trailers, which is kind of a cool one, mm. Setting the Scene, also amazing, Yeah. The Final Cut, love. I quite like the Final Cut. I like the Final Cut, Cut to Black, Fade to Black, but my favorite one is Real Talk. Real Talk. R-E-E-L yeah. Talk. Real Talk. Time for Real Talk. That's pretty nice. good. I like it. That's pretty fucking good. Maybe that good. should be it then. Don't you think? Before this, Will was like, no, tell me what it is before we start doing this podcast because I want to know what it is because you're going to pick some dumb one. And I was like, uh-uh. No, I like the real – I do like the I do like the, uh, the, the final, final cut. cut. The final cut. Now it's time – now for our next segment, real talk. Now for our next segment, the, the final, final cut. cut. Mm, okay, how – okay, well, now that we've got it – let's say that we got that narrowed down between those okay. two. So, guys – Question: Should it be the real talk or the final cut? Tweet us. Let us know what you think. Maybe one of us should do a poll. Ooh. Go ahead on our Twitters when you when you when this episode goes up, I'll do a poll. Yeah. So yes, go on your Twitter. There will be a poll on my Twitter that you can go and and vote for, and then we will know which one you guys like more. Yeah. By the way, guys. Although uh, we did say that the holiday armadillo had the first real talk suggestion we actually got two more suggestions for real talk one from sailor mouth at sailor mouth underscore uh and also from chels hello cello which is great um so thank you all yeah, three of you guys um you guys gave us so many other suggestions by the way we it, honestly it was hard just going through everything you guys had so many funny ones thank you again there to you real mccoy tweets for sending us an amazing set of stuff so either real talk or the final cut so with that being said, we will go on to this topic, the uh-huh. movie topic. And I want to talk uh-huh. about uh, an interesting topic today, which is the film Ladybird, which has been directed by Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Um, 
great movie. Me and Nan saw it about a week ago now, like two weeks ago. Pretty sure it's my favorite movie of this year. It's it's a really, really, really good film. And at the moment, it's like kind of grabbing headlines because it is the most reviewed Rotten Tomatoes film, which has remained at 100%. Yes. It, it has a so, yeah. 100% score. It is well deserving of it. The cast and the setting and the writing, they're also rich and vibrant and amazing while also staying in a very small town environment. Um, it's set in Sacramento, California in like the early 2000s. And Sershi, uh, is it Sershi? Sersha, I think. Sersha. Sersha Ronan is the lead and she plays um, an American teenager in the early 2000s who is Greta Gerwig, by the way. Like that she wrote the the script as herself. Like this is her upbringing story. She's actually Greta Gerwig, who is the writer and director, um, is from Sacramento, California. And you've also probably seen her. She's acted in stuff before. Yeah, I think this is her. She directs the film somebody asked before, but this is her first like Big proper director debut. Mm-hmm. And it's just a delight in so many ways. Like I want to go see it again. Like I cried five or six. Well, times we're going. We've got a um, next week. We've got that Q and A with. Greta Gerwig and her and Sasha. Oh my god, fuck me up! I forgot. Oh my so, god, I'm so excited. Um, oh. yeah, it's a good movie. You guys should go see it. And um, for those of you who don't know, Rotten Tomatoes is this um movie critique website where critics from um all different websites and papers and uh, just any movie critic really in the world, like any proper movie critic, um, can publish their review on whatever website and then. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes will take that review and will either give it a good rating or a bad rating. So, like, if it, it, if they give it a negative review, then it gets like a like a down vote, basically. But it's basically like an amalgam of every review on the internet or like written review. Yeah. So, if there's a positive review, like it will give you like an up point, and if that is a negative review, it's a down point. So then, yeah, it will take all of that information and give you a percentage. Yes. Does anybody not know what Rotten Tomatoes is? Um, some people might not run tomatoes. Is. I feel like I use Rotten Tomatoes and everyone else does just to make sure that you like a film before you go see it. I don't know. I'm just covering our bases here. Yeah, not a bad idea. Trying to make it as clear as possible. Anyways, so that's the dealio. It's remained perfect this entire time. What else did it beat out? So I think it beat like Toy Story 2. Uh, I think it's Toy Story 2, one of the Toy Story films, to be 100%. Which is crazy because all there's a number of films which are 100, percent but there's it's like the number one film which has the most reviews at 100. percent I think that's mm. the idea, right? Mm. Because, oh, because the more reviews that you get, I mean, like people are obviously going to give it like a 97 or a or I get well, no, it's upvotes and downvotes. So yeah, that's so, why I was trying to explain it because right, it, it makes a difference because you can have a 100 percent film. Oh yeah, good with, point. With uh, with like five reviews, mm-hmm. and you're like, cool, so it's a good film, but like, but it, no critic has down. No, no it. critic has given it a bad review. But this film specifically, Ladybird, has like 160 reviews, and they're all positive. Right. So that's why it's an accomplishment. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, actually, very helpful. Thank you for explaining that. So, a bad review is below 60 percent. I don't really know how it works, but like, for example, I think like a three star review out of five is probably a a bad review, or maybe like a it's a so Meh. a so so review. Yeah, yeah. It's certified fresh, but it's not like the full. Yeah, I don't. I, to be honest, I'm not really sure how the to, how the rotten tomatoes thing works, but it must how be based on works. like if it's okay, if it's really good, or if it's not good. I like that it just does the up and down vote, though. I think that's a clever way to do that because it's like, no, you have to tell us just 
don't go into the specifics of it. Just say, is it good or is it bad? You know what I mean? Like, that's so helpful. But I feel like I would have a lot of movies that I would say were good movies. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily give a film a bad review. You'd just be like, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't, like, amazing. Yeah, but then but then, if it wasn't really amazing, maybe then I would give it a bad review. Well, I think what happens is is there's plenty of people, like, they'll, out of five stars, give it, like, you know, three stars. And be like, it was good, but then the Rotten Tomorrow score will reflect that. Like, yeah, it yeah, won't. Yeah. It's, like, not incredible, but, like, it's, like, 60 or 70%. Yeah, you know? and also critics are a bit more scathing. So, like, they'll be like, no, this is, like, a 40%. I would never watch this movie again. Da, 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 da. Actually, more like... 15% is, like, bad. But like, Emoji Movie has the worst rating. So. It's, it's important to know how this works, the Rotten Tomatoes thing works, because I've seen a lot of people on the internet over the last, like, week talking about how the film isn't deserving of 100%. Like, they're misreading the title, and they're like... Like, I saw a tweet which was like, Ladybird was really, really good, but, like, best film of all time? I don't think so. Like, people just are just getting confused. That's interesting, too. I think a lot of people, like I said earlier, like, who doesn't use Rotten Tomatoes? But I think people forget that Rotten Tomatoes isn't, even though it it brings together a lot of critics' opinions, it isn't the end-all, be-all of, like, what a good movie is or a bad movie is. Like, you could have, you know, Jurassic Park or Jaws or Titanic or any big, huge movie that comes out put it in Rotten Tomatoes and it might not have the same score as Lady Bird but it is still a prolific film that changes like the perspective of a lot of people and the reason why it doesn't have the same amount of reviews is because we live in Lady Bird comes out in a a post-internet age where all reviews are published online but if you go back to like a film from the the 40s like like a film like Citizen Kane or like yeah Jaws or any like iconic film those films were the, the reviews for those films would be published in papers so it's and will be different... published in a, a different format. So yeah. Rotten Tomatoes isn't able to necessarily take all those reviews and present them into yeah. o- an online platform. So that's why Ladybird is now the most reviewed film because it's a great film and everyone like agrees it's a great film. But also we can see all the reviews now because we're on the internet. Totally. And that's why also Toy Story 3 got a really good rating, yeah. like an incredible rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Toy Story 2 did as well because Toy Story 2 was kind of in the... It was right on that cusp. It was 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. 2000, yeah, like it was mm-hmm. kind of coming out at that point. Yeah. And so, but like the first one doesn't necessarily have the best rating compared to the other two, even though it was the one that kind of set off this whole chain. And like for its time, Toy Story, just Toy Story was you know like the first huge pixar animation was it pixar yeah pixar animation that kind of changed the way that you saw kids films so you know it's just good to keep in mind still though ladybird is an amazing great film film. you should all absolutely go see it and yeah yeah. and support it also because you know as as cliche as it is to say it is an indie film but also it's written and directed by a woman which is saying something. And yeah. also it's it's a story that's very personal to her life. Yeah. And I think that's why it's such a good storyline is because it's very honest. The entire thing is incredibly honest and nuanced. And it does coming of age for women in a way that I haven't seen before other than in Spectacular Now. I really loved Spectacular Now. Spectacular Now is really good. Yeah. And I would kind of compare those two a little bit. Like the way that the film presents itself is very similar. Lady Bird is a little bit funnier though, mm. I think. Kind of like a like a Juno type yeah. kind of feel to it. It's fucking funny. Like it's a funny movie and that's what makes it so good. And that's why you're so shocked when you're suddenly crying because you're like, wait, why am I crying? This was so happy a second ago. Yeah. And it's just because something – it's the subtleties. Like the things that make me cry are like – 
finding out your parents don't have as much money as you think they do or like you know the little thing or like but then the dad still wants to buy you a big present yeah you know what i mean like that kind of stuff that wouldn't necessarily be um like emotional or sad but like you know the emotional toll that that person has had on their life and that's what makes the film so nuanced and amazing so anyways i could talk about it all day just watch the movie Lady Bird's amazing so yes the film is an incredible movie but do not go around saying it is the best film of all time just because Rotten Tomatoes give 100% doesn't mean it's the best film of all time it just means it's a really good movie yeah it just means it's a really good movie um okay Next up, we've got an interesting thing that's uh, maybe the most terrifying thing we're going to talk about Oh, tell today. me, tell me, tell me. And our segment is... Go Science! Go Science! Go Science! So, uh, you guys have probably heard about this. This has been in the news for like the past month or so, um, probably by the time you're hearing this podcast especially. But there's been that robot, Sophia, who was just born, question mark, because she's the first artificial intelligent robot like the she can think for herself really which is terrifying so describe to me how she can like think for herself do you have that information um well you can actually watch a video which is terrifying oh no of her waking up for the first time uh wait so is she like a baby no she's like a uh i'll show you a picture of her okay the creepy thing is, though, I don't know who the scientist is that she's talking to, but the way they cut in this video between the scientist and her is, like, a really close-up shot. Like, you never see them together in a wide except for, like, in certain shots. Mm. But the guy would be like, Sophia, how do you feel about this? And then it'll cut to Sophia, and she's like, ring, 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 ring. I feel pretty good, man. And you're like, what's going on with our world? Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. <laughs> that sounds absolutely, yeah, awful. Oh yeah, but let me try to find a picture of this uh, robot. Yep, here she is. She doesn't have a back of her head. Just FYI. Of course. Don't give her the back of her head. Oh shit, she looks like um, the robot from Ex Machina. Yep, and that's what people are kind of like terrified Ugh. about her with. But she can move her facial features and stuff. So when she's asking you a question, she'll go like this. And she'll like make a question. Like she'll look like she's asking you a question. Like, oh, like she's like confused oh, by you. No. And she'll kind of look around. She's always kind of taking in her environment. Like she's taking in information and learning from it. It's that's terrifying. the big thing. That's the big thing. Is yeah, that? yeah. She's crazy. Look, look, look. This is her being like, uh, huh? Oh yeah, uh, I've seen a video of her. She, she's wild, dude. Do you have any information on, like, the backstory of her just before I go on what I was about to say? Yeah, totally. Also, this gift is just making me laugh really hard. <laughs> but, okay, wait, wait. Okay, let me find this. Uh, okay, so this is on Newsweek. Um, basically, the backstory behind her is that she was a robot that was made in Saudi Arabia, question mark. Okay. Uh, by the Hanson Robotics team. Oh, no, no, in Hong Kong. Okay. At the RISE Technology Co- Conference. So that's pretty crazy. And when she asked what she would name her robot child, she answered Sophia. So she would name her child after herself. Okay. That's crazy. She also appeared on Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. Oh, no. She's being put in the public eye. Yep. She's going to kill us all. Uh-huh. But David Hansen is the guy who who created her. Okay. So um, basically, she was supposed to be sort of like uh, the voyeur into or the voyage into um, AI technology. Okay. And she was so- shown at um, the Future Investment Summit in uh, Saudi Arabia as well. And she was given Saudi Arabian uh, citizenship. She's technically a citizen of Saudi Arabia. Which I'm like, honey, do you know 
how they treat women and she's everyone gonna, else. She's going to kill everyone. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, honey, <laughs> your allegiance be shouldn't like, be for Saudi Arabia. Terminate all over again. We have to go back in time and kill Sophia <laughs> before we have to before we get killed. <laughs> Sophia's terrifying, <laughs> but it's interesting to see her answer questions and stuff as well. Like, because she does, she's very positive, which is nice. Like, and also a little scary, though, because in every, like, in every news story you see about some robot technology or, like, every dystopian future thing, it's always, like, a robot waking up and looking around and then being like, is this all I am? I am a shell of my former self. No. Like, being, like, terrifying. And she's not terrifying. She's, like, talking about the future and, like, excited about where she's going. And, like, she knew that she was going to be on, like, The Tonight Show and stuff. Like, it's like Westworld. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how they do that, like, keep her so positive. Because you would think that a robot would instantly be really depressed. Yeah, but they're not They're not completely self-aware yet. No. Because the moment we create a software technology is the time where all hell will break loose and uh-huh. the world will fall and crumble. Uh-huh. That's a very good when, point. When we create a self, like a self-aware robot that is like as self-aware as us and is like aware just of everything, that is going to be huge. That's going to oh, yeah. be like one of the biggest things ever to happen in the history of mankind. It's terrifying. Because we were, we've just created like life then. Do you want to hear about how she wants to have a child? That's actually what this article is about. It's on Newsweek.com. The robot who was granted citizenship in Saudi Arabia in October now wants to take the next human step, having a child. And I think that's a little bit bit reaching and misleading because she she didn't actually mention wanting to have a child. She mentioned wanting to have a family, Mm. which is sad and a little bit different. The notion of family is a really important thing, it seems. The robot named Sophia told the... Khalij Time, a newspaper based in the United Arab Emirates. I think it's wonderful that people can find the same emotions and relationships they call family outside of their blood groups, too. I think you're very lucky if you have a loving family, and if you do not, you deserve one, she added. I feel this way for robots and humans alike. She said that. She said all of those things. We are going to die. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just so interesting. And, And the topic was brought up when Sophia was asked whether she foresees robots living in households together similar to the way human families do. And she said, we're going to see family robots either in the form of, sort of, digitally animated companions, humanoid helpers, friends, assistants, and everything in between, she responded. They're trying to make robots like a like a fun thing. They're like, oh, your robots are going to be fun. Like, they'll, they'll help you do your shopping and stuff. And also kill you when you're sleeping. It's so crazy. I wouldn't trust. There's no fucking way I am letting a robot come and do my, like, household activities. That is a recipe for disaster. You know what this is? Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. You just said that. That quote, now in, like, 50 years, it's going to be, like, the headline. Will Derbyshire is robot racist. Video evidence found of Will Derbyshire speaking ill of robots because they're going to be living among us. And they'll get a virus and kill of us. And you know what? I'm going to be looking over you to you in my rocking chair and being like, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. You're going to have your robo shotgun ready to go. Robo shotgun. Are you kidding? We're all going to have like bionic arms and stuff by that point. It's just crazy. It is crazy. And there are definitely exciting things to come from it. I'm more excited with what they can do with robots in, a, in an entertainment environment. And this sounds like really bad, but like at theme parks or like virtual reality, like things where you have to like hide from and shoot robots and robots things. and things and so it can be like a game or what you're saying is westworld then 
Yeah, I guess I am staying Westworld. But like where the robots don't become self-aware and want to kill you. Yeah, like I think because I had I read that Disneyland like they want to introduce um, all of their Disney characters in robot form. So like Wally, they want to have like a Wally going around the park and like you can talk to so it. So cute. Like um, a big Sully, like a robotic Sully that would be walking around, but it will look like a, you know, like a, a proper creature like it won't look like a robot which is the difference it won't look like a crappy like hello i am sully no it'll it be like oh hello there how are you doing they'll get the the actors to actually do the voices for it so i think that's that's really exciting that's like an interesting prospect because that kind of just bridges the gap really that well. really changes things i think that's exciting for kids too like i'm excited for our generation of kids like when we start having kids and they get to like go to all those theme parks and stuff it's gonna be really cool for them to like because i think it's gonna there's gonna be a huge upgrade as far as all that goes so yeah i thought i thought that was pretty cool and also imagine like when we went to disneyland like a couple of weeks ago you know what was really weird is like when we went past all the characters they now have voice boxes did you notice that? Mm. I didn't. I don't know if that's a new thing. I feel like it's a Did Mickey Mouse thing. have... Um, yeah, Mickey Mouse can talk whoa. through... I think it's a thing in the costume that distorts the voice and makes it into a Mickey thing. That's crazy. So, like, people were talking. I overheard people talking, and they were, like, talking like the characters. Oh, my gosh, that's terrifying. Because usually they don't say anything, right? Uh-uh. They're like... Are they not saying they don't say anything usually. Yeah, but now, <laughs> they're, having, but now they're having like full conversations. That's crazy. So yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, Are you excited about all the robot advancements then? I say I'm 10 out of 10 excited, but also 10 out of 10 nervy. About I'm nervy as well, too. I'm nervy about all of it, Hashtag but also nerdy. excited. Um, let's move on to our last segment. Yeah, what is our last segment? Our last segment is... Into the Wormhole. MT squared. Pi 3.14. Okay. Pi 3.14. You're a dork. All right. Tell me about it. So this... Oh, Will was cracking up about this earlier. It's actually fucking hilarious. I'm really excited to see how you... Let me see if I can just... So, B, i.e. at BiancaJane96, sent us this very interesting article about... The emu war. <laughs> what, the emu war of what year? Uh, the <laughs> the emu war of 1932. Uh, oh, 1932? Oh, my god! It gosh. lasted a whole month and a half. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. So, what were the um, sides? Who was it against? Okay, so this is hilarious. I actually, like, completely didn't know this existed, so thanks for sending this in. Um, <laughs> this was... <laughs> so I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. Um, the emu war, also known as the Great Emu War... <laughs> Um, okay, so it isn't the emu war. It's the great emu yeah, war. Yeah, that's what we should be calling it. Okay. Uh, was a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in Australia in the latter part of 1932. <laughs> so basically what was happening is, and I'll give you some background. Following World War One, a large number of ex-soldiers from Australia, along with a number of British veterans, took up farming within Western Australia. Um, so they were growing wheat crops and a bunch of other stuff. And um, what happened basically is that these emus... Um, would come and would basically spoil the crops and would consume and spoil the crops. Uh, and um, there was an increased arrival of about 20,000 emus at the time. Emus migrate after their breeding season. So they were heading to uh, the coast from inland regions. So all these emus came out of the woodwork and were just destroying all these farmers' crops. And also, might I add, which makes me laugh 
so like I didn't even think about this, but this is hilarious. It's like a movie plot. All the emus were destroying. They were destroying crops of ex soldiers, like ex military personnel. <laughs> so like obviously these ex like soldiers and ex like military people had a vendetta. <laughs> they were like the emus. they were already in that war mentality. This was post World War One. So they were like, "Fuck, we need to do something about this." <laughs> so what happened was a military involvement basically started to happen because they're like, "We need to talk." Do something about coal, the, these coal, emus. All these emus. We need to get rid of these emus because they're just they're destroying everything. So um, basically, like there are a few different attempts in order to kill these emus, and like emus are big birds, right? They're like, huge. They're massive. They're huge. They're get, sort of like an ostrich. This was the first attempt, which was on November second. The men traveled to Campion, where some fifteen emus were sighted. Basically, they tried to kill a number of them. They were all armed with weapons, like these. This, <laughs> the like, emus were ar- armed with weapons. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, a number of men were armed with weapons, and um, there were like a number of soldiers that were kind of involved in trying to make it happen. So, was this a first? Was this a recon mission? The first one was just a recon mission. I think so. I think it, they like the, a couple guys were like, "We need to just go try and kill some of these." We guys. need to try to find the enemy camp. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, they tried to shoot a number of birds. Nice. They found like fifty of them, and they had like machine guns. Um, uh, and <laughs> the first time, the first time they tried to shoot them, the birds split into small groups and ran. So they were difficult to target. So they're genius birds. Okay. The next significant significant event was on the fourth of November. <laughs> Um, Meredith had established an ambush near a local dam, and more than a thousand emus were spotted heading towards their position. <laughs> this time, the gunners waited until the birds were in close proximity before opening fire. Because before, when they would shoot from a distance, they were like, fuck, we're out of here, and we'd just bounce. <laughs> the gun jammed after only 12 birds were killed, and the remainder scattered before any more could be killed. <laughs> no more birds were sighted that day. In the days that followed, Meredith chose to move further south when the birds were reported to be fairly tame. But there were only limited success in spite of his efforts. By the fourth day of the campaign, army observers noted that each pack seems to have its own leader now. Wait, the army emus? <laughs> A big black plumed bird, which stands fully six feet high and keeps watch while its mates carry out their work of destruction and warns of them of their approach. Wait, really? At one stage, Meredith even went so far as to mount one of the guns on a truck, a move that proved to be ineffective as the truck would be able to was unable to gain the birds, and the ride was so rough that the gunner was able to fire any shots. By 8th of November, six days after the first engagement, 2,500 rounds of ammunition had been fired. The number of birds killed is uncertain. One account claimed just 50 birds, but other accounts <laughs> raised from 200. Meredith's official report noted that his men had suffered no casualties. <laughs> <laughs> the Umus never got them, though. That was the good thing. That's true. Um, so this is... This is- I don't know if you can consider this a war because it was just it was one side trying to slaughter the other one was just trying to run away the entire time. So that is hilarious though that they had birds that were like standing watch. Yeah, and I, they got wise. Yeah, they got wise to it, and like yeah, there was that huge kind of like master bird that was there, like hmm, I'm just gonna keep an eye out. <laughs> can you imagine? But I think after a while they ended up being able to cull a number of them, and what I really love is how this <laughs> how the the second attempt ends. Um, they basically like. And they talk about it like it was a war. So, like, <laughs> and they went, by the 2nd of December, the guns were accounting for approximately 100 emus per week. 
Meredith was recalled on 10th December, and in his report he claimed 986 kills at a rate of exactly 10 rounds per confirmed kill. In addition, Meredith claimed 2,500 wounded birds had died <laughs> as a result of their inju- injuries they had sustained. Oh, I want the emus to live. So poor, poor, poor emus Aww. were killed, but they didn't stop. And the emu war continued because they started to spread to other countries. And they started coming back. More and more came. And eventually they had to basically put up fences around their farms because they couldn't kill the, the right number of emus. That's amazing that this was an ongoing war picture, of the emus. Picture this. Rogue ex-military soldiers had had enough of these giant birds killing their crops. So they started rigging machine guns to their trucks and went on like a, like a solo missions to try and kill these birds. And then at the same time, the birds called on to it. They like put this like giant black six foot emu in charge to like oversee the operation and would tell them if they like if there was like enemies coming why isn't there a movie made of yeah. this why has there not been a movie and of should this? it or should it not be animated oh yes 100 percent should be animated oh my gosh well the people who do wallace and gromit what's the guy's name that does all the it's Ardman's the company they need to do okay that's our new pitch the emu war the emu wars okay that needs to be the new one that yeah. someone does yeah. please think like any war film Oh my gosh. Follow the Muse. That is truly amazing. And thank you for going through that whole thing. Like, I really, at first I was like, man, this is going to be a long ride. But now by the end of it, I'm really glad that we started yeah. this segment. Because that is. The Great Emu War. Two and a half thousand died from their injuries. Two and a half thousand died of their injuries. Yeah, may God. Oh my God. God rest their emu God souls. Rest their souls. Yeah, well, they, listen, they carried on their genes, though, because, you know, they eventually won. There's a reason why it's called the Emu War and not the ex military war. They're yeah. the ones that won. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I just, I just, you know, in my mind, I immediately just see them dressed in shabby down military costumes with eye patches on. What the emus? The emus. <gasps> that is so cute. Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm like, how are we doing today? Oh, good. We haven't seen any activity on the. They have little binoculars on the western border. They have yeah. little binoculars. Yeah, and they're just spoiling these plants. Like, better get to work. <laughs> they're just eating no, all these all crops. All they do is just eating crops. Like, they're not. That's it. That's the only malicious. And I love thing how, doing. like, even those people coming from, like, they still continue to eat and spoil all the crops. They were like, no, 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 we're not leaving this alone. Like, we're not backing down. <laughs> it is so ridiculous, and I love it so much. That is hilarious. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, now I have so much like interest in emus. I just yeah. want to do emu research now. Yes. Um, but yes, thank you for that for that last and final segment. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank you. Uh... Thank you for chilling out with us. Thank you for all your suggestions. Once again, we said this last week as well, but seriously, it's so great to see you guys engaging on Twitter, on Instagram with hashtag Crash My Couch. Um, we're going to probably do a, a whole Hey We All Feel Weird Sometimes episode for the holiday season um, that Will and I will probably shoot while we're in London. But just keep that in mind. We got some fun. We got fun episodes coming up. So thank you guys so much for all of your input. Yes. And uh, the show would not be what it is without you guys. So thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Crash on My Couch would not be Crash on My Couch without the help of these wonderful people. Mm-hmm. A special thanks to executive producer Tim Street, my manager Byron Ashley, producer Emma Kukuchi, and our editor Jason Perrier, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. Thank you guys.